This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. Happy Friday to everybody. Hopefully, everybody has a great day headed into the weekend. we got a big show coming your way. We're getting you ready for baseball season, man. Pitchers, catchers, position players are out there. It's uh, Spring training is underway. We're going to talk to the voice of the Mariners, Rick Riz, at 3 o'clock. We'll do best of the rest at 4 Emerson Hancock of your Seattle Mariners will join us at 5 o'clock. Then, of course, it being Friday, we've got mean text today at 545. So uh, get creative. Get ready. you got a lot of time to get creative, and you got targets. Lefko is in for Wyman. Wyman out today. And, uh, of course, Matt is always always eager to have people take shots at him. So, oh, yeah. Well, Dave could still be a target by far. Feel free to take more shots at Wyman. He's, he's al- not here. He's already misdirecting. He's saying, don't look at me. Point to Dave. Dave's not here to defend himself. So wh- whoever you want. You're in Dave's chair. You get Dave's mean text. Yeah, I think that's yeah. only fair. So <laughs> yeah, right, we'll see. I think there's just more material We're with just, Wyman. We'll just deal with the will of the listeners. Whoever they go at. It could be me. It could be Lefko. It could be Dave. Oh, it could be Matt. Whoever you want. I got to find a pen to click to get back into uh, To get no, really into not. this chair. No, don't do that to Matt. Don't do that to Matt. Hey, Matt. Uh. Mike Salk left his Twitter page open. Should I send a mean message to all of his followers on Twitter? I think we should have people text in. <laughs> what should we be tweeting from Salk's Twitter? Should today? I just throw out expletive, expletive, expletive? Y'all kiss my Let's backside. Blah. <laughs> He's these people are lucky. I'm such a such an upfront guy. Bump leaves his email open all the time. His Twitter open all the time, and I just close it. It's not like back in the day where we used to send messages on each other's Twitter until we got in trouble. <laughs> I got, I got in days. trouble for one I didn't send. I got called into the office. This stops now. I'm like, I didn't, I've admitted to everyone I've done. I didn't do this one. The one I get blamed for is the actually, actually the only one I didn't send. So that stopped, uh, that stopped years ago, but I don't know. Maybe we could rekindle it's a, it. It's a tamer age. I yeah. guess, uh, you know, people got upset. So I don't know. Send a creative. I'm just going to leave it open for now. I'm going to leave his page open for now. And maybe we'll send some creative from his Twitter page. If somebody comes up with something. All right, let's brainstorm that Yeah, uh, a little bit later. We get to the break, we'll brainstorm what to send from Salk's Twitter account. All right, so we'll, we'll talk a lot about uh, what's happening with the Mariners, get you primed and ready for spring training. But uh, we had a chance, we had the debut edition of the John Schneider show yesterday. A lot of people commenting on it. A lot of people, uh, I think it's, it's still new for a lot of people to hear from him in an extended, you know, relaxed setting like that. We've seen him in press conferences, certainly, and we've talked about it before. But he's just not a guy that has done a ton of press and anytime we've had him on, like all last year when we did the John Schneider show, we'd always get texts like, oh, man, John's a good dude. I love – he's funny. He's I hadn't heard this side of him. You know, you're, they, they just get exposed to a different side of John that I think is is good for him and, and good for the fans out there. You get to know this guy, and obviously he's in control of everything now. He's the president of football operations. He's the general manager, so the buck stops with him. And uh, we had our first show with him yesterday out at the, out at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. And a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff. And I'm curious for those that listened, was there anything that stood out to you in a good way? Like, wow, that got me fired up. I like hearing that. Or was there anything you heard where you went, ooh, I don't I don't like that. Now, I can't think of anything in that category. I can think of a couple things that, that uh, 
that got me fired up. But we'll, we'll go through some of the things he had to say. And if you guys uh, missed that conversation, it's on the podcast page. Just head to seattlesports.com and click the podcast tab. Click on our picture, and it's right there waiting for you. But uh, what – I don't know. You were you heard it, Lefko. You were back here. What was – did you have any immediate takeaways from the interview? Well, first of all, the overall scope, like you were saying – it's just a lot of fun. I think that's what people enjoy because I went to look at the YouTube comments. Normally, normally never look at the comments, never trust the comments it's in never anything. A good, but never a good idea. No, but we'll pick the positive ones. Kind of like we do with uh, Pro Football fo- Focus, we cherry pick. So yeah. if there are good reference points to make it seem like the Seahawks have done well this season, yeah, PFF, they're good. They're not... Pff- same thing with the comments here. So, like, these comments, John is awesome. Could listen to him talk Seahawks football for hours. I'm so happy we have John as GM. Great stuff. Excited to hear more this offseason. So, I think that's what kind of permeates through is it's just an enjoyable conversation between the three of you, and there's good football knowledge that kind of pops out. Uh, for me, the big thing that stood out and the thing I got most excited about is just hearing that bond and the connection it feels like he already has with Mike McDonald. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of those cuts that we can get to. But overall just how it kind of exuded out of him, how excited John Schneider was to be like of a football mind with Mike McDonald. It seems like these are two guys, what he was alluding to that they just walked into the building and they just started talking football. They were drawing up plans for assistance. They were talking about what they were going to do. We saw, well, uh, most of the Seahawks fandom saw them out on a Friday night celebrating with Ryan Grubb. And that's how that hire came to be. But just the fact that, you know, they're out, they're having fun. This is a staff that can really bond together And when you have a GM and coach of like mind, I think that's where a lot of success comes from. You look around the most successful organizations in the NFL, Brett Veach, Andy Reid. You have the Chiefs, back-to-back Super Bowl champions. We disparage the Niners, yes, but they built a great system there with John Lynch and with Kyle Shanahan. And then the Rams. So you just look in the division with Demhoff and Sean McVay, and it feels like this is what you're going to have here. Yeah, well, he just getting back to the original point of what you were talking about, the the initial connection they had. John talked about that, just said uh, McDonald was a fit right out of the gate. Mike was a little different with his first interview because we weren't able to speak with him yet. So all the background research that we did and then being able to speak to the teams that had had the opportunity to interview him that week, you know, all our relationships around the league really helped out as well in terms of how they felt about him, what the what their interview process was like. And, and uh, so they were, you know, thankfully they were willing to share a lot of information. And, and uh, when we met with Mike in person, we've talked about uh, quarterbacks – shift in a room, tilting the field, and he, he, he did that as soon as he uh, as soon as as soon as we started interviewing it was clear it was crisp, it was clear, it was fun. Yeah, he, he uh, knocked it out of the park if it was about an hour and twenty minutes and it felt like twenty minutes. That that's the key part of it. Hour and twenty minutes yeah. felt like twenty minutes. I mean we talk about that here just to go behind the scenes. We'll have segments where like, wow, that went fast where you just get into a great conversation and just flowing you look up and wow, we've been talking for twenty minutes about this. And then there are times where like We've been talking for 10 minutes and it feels like it's been 30 minutes. You know, it's it's part of how it goes. And it's, the problem is, I know what's going to happen now for the Mac and Jack's text line. On a Friday, they're going to inverse. They're going to do the inverse and say, well, 20 minutes of your show feels like an hour and 20 minutes. So there you go. I'm doing your work right. for you. But, there you yeah, material. We're just giving you a launching point. I think anyone can relate <clears> to that. <throat> any, any single person, even if you're not a sports fan, if you're in any walk of life, you're in a situation where time flies by. Probably mm-hmm. with your friends, you're in a situation where you're having fun. Conversely, like Matt here you have every to go, day. Yeah. Conversely, you have to go to a dentist appointment at 7 a.m. I don't know what idiot did that. All right, I did. And then it feels like you've been there for three hours. So to hear them say that, 
it gives you optimism that they're going to spend hours and hours and hours there, and it's not going to get old anytime soon. Well, and he, he talked about the, the, the minute they walked in the building, we all saw the video where there was the big welcoming committee. The, the lobby was packed from all the people from upstairs, and it was a big, you know, hugs and cheers, and everybody was excited, and then they just immediately got to work. We literally, like, walked through. I think they grabbed Steph and they, you know, brought her on a tour and we went upstairs with our group and, and uh, got on his board and, you know, we had had our, all, all of our uh, people that, you know, it's really like a draft process. It really is. Yeah. All the people that we had, we had been uh, talking to and, and uh, not talking to, but the coaches, you know, coaches that we had interviewed and their, their guys and the guys that we had identified. And then obviously the people that Mike had identified as well. So we literally came through, went upstairs. We started doing that. We riffed on that for probably, shoot, I don't know, two and a half hours. And then, uh, you know, because you have to send out slips and permissions and from all his teams and, and adhere to all the, you know, the guidelines with, with uh, the league office. And uh, we ended up going and grabbing some lunch. And he was like, are we going to are we gonna sign a contract or are we just like going on a handshake here? <laughs> I love that. That was the best part to me. Right it's, it's it, but it speaks to how they're just like, yeah. oh yeah, I guess we should do that. They're just ready to jump in, and I think there's in anything there's something exciting, and then there's optimism attached to something fresh and new, right? There's no there's no resume there other than what he did as a coordinator, but there's no resume as a head coach. But you love what he did with the Baltimore Ravens defense. Here's a 36 year old, and we've kind of from from afar envied. Wow, look at what Shanahan's doing there. Look what McVeigh does there, and sort of the the youth movement and coaching, if you will. You, you envy it from the outside. And this isn't a knock on Pete on any stretch. I mean, Pete's the greatest coach in the in the history of this organization, obviously, and it's not close. But after 14 years, each year you knew what to expect. You kind of parse Pete. Here's what he's really saying. Here's how Pete talks. Blah blah blah. Here's how he likes to run the team. Good, good. Here are the good things. Here are the bad things. This is Pete. Now it's all fresh, and we're going. Wow. What? What? What's the the possibilities seem limitless. We'll find out. But it's everybody's new. Grub. You've only seen him at the college level. Uh, dirty. Only at the. You, we haven't seen him at this level. I mean, it just trickles on down to the rest of the staff. Where this is. It's exciting because it's new and it's fresh. It doesn't automatically mean mean it's going to be successful. I I assume it will. Um, I believe in John and, and and their process and the the lengths they went to to, you know, find the right person. But I think there's a level of optimism and excitement that comes with something that's just like fresh out of the box, just under wrapping this brand new toy to play with. And I think the relationship still was good with Pete and with John Schneider. But more to your point of it got stale in the sense of maybe there wasn't the desire to stay late and have those 20 minutes or have the two and a half hours feel like 20 minutes. Maybe it was the opposite where you're in there, you're going through another draft meeting and you're in lockstep. You're in agreement eventually, but time is starting to drag. And the idea is you just, it's functional fixedness. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's some terms that pop up when you're looking at something the same way and you can't have a new perspective on it. I don't think the relationship ever deteriorated to outright antagonistic, but it's not to the level of new and invigorating like it sounds like that it is right now between John Schneider and Mike McDonald. Text coming in 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. I don't believe in bleep until it happens. <laughs> well, we asked about concern, so yeah. I, okay. I mean, it's. I think it's okay to have some level of anticipation and excitement. It doesn't mean you have to sit there and go, We're, it's Super Bowl time, baby. I mean, hopefully that's the case, but... I think it's okay to be excited about the potential of something fresh and new and a new set of eyes and new ideas in there, whether we're talking about the draft or we're talking about the scheme on the field or whatever aspect of this team you want to focus on. It's okay. 
It doesn't, again, it doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, the greatest thing in the world. There may be some bumps along the way. Maybe one of these coordinators turns out like, eh, that wasn't the right choice. We'll, we'll find out. But right now, I don't, I don't believe bleep until it happens. Okay. That's, that's on you. Uh, you know, but I, I think it's, it's, it's fair to be excited. That's all. I don't, I don't think you're, uh, I don't think you're bringing your guard down. You're not going to get hurt. You know, it's okay to be excited. So, yeah, the texts, keep them coming in. Keep them coming in, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. A couple other thoughts from John here. Uh, just talking about, he said people around the NFL thought it would be a, a tremendous fit for the Seahawks with McDonald. You know, I had a number of people that, that reached out to me and were like, hey, I could see the two of you guys after the interview process. You know, like, uh, I can't mention teams, sorry, but, yeah. you know, teams that, you know, whether it was guys that had worked in Baltimore, they're at different places now, or we're at Michigan, or uh, Georgia, or, uh, you know, and then the teams that, that, that were looking for uh, head coaches and going through their interview process and were able to interview Mike in that first window, you know, a couple of those teams went offense and... Uh, you know, may have gone in a little bit of a different direction, but everybody was, uh, I, again, I had several people just reach out unsolicited and, uh, you know, knew that we were still going through the process and then that we were about, we were about a week late, you know, or we, not late behind, I guess the other, the other clubs. And, uh, we're like, I think you can be really impressed with this guy and, and I could see your personalities, uh, really gelling together. Well, one, one thing I wish we would have asked, and I know he was asked in the press conference about this, but maybe he would expand a little more is just. You know, were you really willing to wait? Had the Baltimore Ravens made it to the Super Bowl? Can you think? Can you imagine that? That'd be now. We'd be talking about hiring a coach right now. Right, right. So, and I know he he was asked in the press conference, so it wasn't fresh material, if you will. But I just maybe just to get him to expand on that, like really, really, because that's a, that's a that's a pretty big risk you're taking if you like you like McDonald, but you like this guy almost as much. Whoever it was Dan Quinn, whoever whoever of the group you interviewed, and you were they were right there, but you were. Leaning toward McDonald, would you have would that have pushed you in the direction of Plan B more likely, or would you have just held tough, dug in your heels, and said nope, nope, we're waiting until the Super Bowl's done? Yeah, I truly think they would have because we've talked a lot about changing things up and trying to do something bold, and getting rid of Pete Carroll is undeniably bold. You had a solid team, you had a nine right. and eight team, had a lot of injuries. If things go differently, you're probably in the playoffs. So yeah, but they, it's not they like been they had kinda, to. They've been kind of stuck in the mud right. for a bit. But with one year left on his contract, it's not like you had to get rid of Pete Carroll. But in order to get better, in order to make that drastic move, you needed to do something like this. So going along those same lines, I truly believe they would have waited until the very end. And who mentioned it to us? I forgot who mentioned it to us, but... I might have been Field Yates where he said, you know, that's what the Colts did with Shane Steichen. They waited until after the Super Bowl where last year the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. The Colts had to wait. And I guess so did the Cardinals with hiring Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen to Indy. So I believe the Seahawks would have done that. We would have been a, a lot more stressed out. Like, hey, it's the Super Bowl. You don't have a head coach yet, not to mention coordinators and filling out a staff and all these decisions. But it feels like and that's another reason why I'm encouraged by hearing that cut from John Schneider about unsolicited. People were saying, yeah, this is great. This is a great guy. And with John's relationships, people trust each other around the NFL. I know you're competing with general managers, and with coaches and every other team, but there is a level of trust that goes back and forth because you work with these guys to make trades. So if it wouldn't have been the best hire, I think he would have been warned about that. But to hear all these guys say, yeah, this is a good guy. This is a guy worth waiting for. It does feel like they would have waited till after the Super Bowl. And it's encouraging that they did feel like they could wait to hire him. Yeah, there's uh, one, one of the other things that stuck out to me, and, and Dave and I, and, and you and I have a difference of opinion. You and Dave are on the side of, I think they're going to take a step back before they step forward. Where I look at it and say, 
This is a defensive mind who ran a brilliant defense in, in Baltimore, not expecting the Seahawks to get to that level in year one, but I expect an improvement. And I think you could keep the the offense where it was. If you can just get them to – I'd like to see them improve, certainly, because they weren't great. But your, your problem side of the ball, without question, was defense. Mm-hmm. So if he can improve that marginally in, in year one – and we talked about this before. They they ranked toward the bottom in just about any ca- defensive category you want to look at. They were 29th. They were 30th. They were 28th. They were 31st. It didn't matter. If he can get them somewhere around you know, 17, 16, closer to the middle of the pack, that represents a huge leap forward. And if you can keep the offense just where it was, just stabilize, maybe improve. I'd love to see it improve, like I said. How many wins is that worth? How many wins if all of a sudden this is just a team that tackles decidedly better than they did last year? Just a fundamental, very basic, not even a schematic thing. Like, no, no, no. We we are going to work on tackling. This is the the most basic, fundamental part of your job on defense, and you were really bad at it last year. So if they just improved that and all of a sudden they start going up in the, you know, like I said, 18, 17 across the board, does that represent another win? Two wins. I expect them to be better. I guess is my long-winded point on that. And you and Dave are on the side of where you think, yeah, there's a lot of learning, which totally makes sense. I get it. New terminology, new philosophy. Everybody's going to be learning, but that's true every year. You got new faces. You got rookies. There's learning every year. So I just, I just don't think it should be that much of an impediment to where I expect this team to be eight and nine or seven and ten next year. I just that's not my expectation. And we brought that up to John, like. Yeah, you know, some people feel you're going to take a step back, some step forward. What What do you say about that? And here's here's what he had to say. The coaches at this time of the year are usually going through, you know, getting ready for free agency. They're kind of getting some names for draft, draft guys to study, right? So I'm sure there's going to be a little of anxiety from that point of view for the coaching staff. But, hey, look, it's like, hey, we got that right now. We'll get caught up with that later. Let's get this staff together. Let's 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 build this continuity and and and, and build this whole philosophy that we're going to be you know working through together. And then then that'll come together. Now, how fast that like you know I think I think based on the open lines of communication, the way it's gone so far, I, I don't I don't I don't see a lot of hindrances to uh, you know what would lead to success on the, on the field. I don't I don't look at it like and I have been through coaching changes mm-hmm. and so you know it's like oh you got to take that. I don't I don't feel that. I I could see where people would think well you know. You know, people are going to have to adjust. Yeah, everybody's got to adjust, but everybody's got to adjust every year. And if you're not adjusting, you're falling behind. So he's he's been through it before, Not certainly not with, with uh, head coaches here in Seattle, but coaching changes. And as he put, every year somebody's learning something. you got a whole group of whether they're free agents you brought in, you sign, and rookies. It turns into a large group of people that haven't been exposed to your terminology, to your defense, to your offense, whatever side of the ball they're on. And there's that learning process. That's preseason. That's OTAs. That's minicamp. That's all of that. So do, do they hit the ground running week one? Maybe not. Maybe it is a slow build. But I just, I in the end, I feel like we, I think it's fair to expect that this team is better. Maybe it's a game better. Maybe maybe they're a 10-win team as opposed to nine. But I, I don't, ex, I would be stunned if they went backwards. I think there's a lot more we can get into, so we can certainly bring this up again uh, later in the show. But the first thing that jumped out to me when he said that yesterday and hearing that again would be how far behind are you compared to previous years? When he said we're behind in the scouting, we're behind in the evaluation, and we know John Schneider didn't go to the Senior Bowl, which is a departure from the norm. And he loves to go there, and then, you know, that's where they do some of their best work. They'll all go to the Combine that's coming up in a couple of weeks, but how far behind are you 
you, John Schneider, and then now this coaching staff in getting eyes on players you might want to draft and you might want to evaluate for free agency? That would be my question. Not necessarily a concern, but how do they make up those weeks that they lost moving forward? All right, let's take two. The Seahawks have reportedly hired two more assistants, wide receiver coach Frisman Jackson and running back coach Candy Palomalu, who was Pete Carroll's first special team coordinator at USC and the uncle of Troy Palomalu. I know that made you excited, right, Matt? Thrilled. Well, a, Love the Palomalu. I, I realize there's a lot of tricky names in there, so I had to ask my oh, Why hold are you on. making Matt read it, Matt, No, he wanted to read it. It's take two. So the oh, I need it. it to be said on the record. I did not want to read take two. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Lefko asked right. me if I could read take two, and I agreed to help him. It's great. This was not my decision. Involved. We'd love to get a third voice involved Matt in the broadcast. To read so it. I don't know that I've it's ever a collective seen here. that side of Matt to go, hey, man, can, you mind if I do take two? Oh, I just love reading all these hard-to-pronounce <laughs> names. Highlight of my day. Hold on. Uh, you read tons of tough-to-pronounce names in Marvel comics and all the, what did Dave say, all the comic things that you watch? He's cartoons. All, all the cartoons you watch. Boy, he's just, tough He's names. just going to fill Dave's shoes and start taking shots at you no, about I just cartoons. Met, there are is a lot of just, tough names. Is it just anyone that sits in that yeah, chair as a jerk? So. It makes you grumpy. Or... This chair makes you grumpy. Huh. <laughs> Talk about the thing. <laughs> Talk about the thing. All right. Okay. Well, I, I like they're filling out the staff. Yeah. I now mean, it's it's almost fully done. It feels I, I like. hope my hope is these are all their first choices. Like, hey, I was hoping I could get I could get Palomalu. I was hoping I was going to get uh, Jackson. And the, hey, there they are. I just if they're their first choices, I'm excited. Padres manager manager Mike Schilt said that Xander Bogarts will move over to second base and Ha Song Kim will be taking over at shortstop. Xander Bogarts, their huge investment, one of their huge investments that they made in their, their switching positions. So we'll see. Listen, at this point, if I'm a Padres fan, I'm going to put him in center field if you want. Well, I, whatever's going to work for this team because you spent a truckload of money and it didn't work. You know what I find interesting about that, though? That all we heard last offseason when the Mariners... We thought they could use a shortstop before J.P. Crawford had his breakout year. You're going to move J.P. to second. All we well, all we heard was that those guys wouldn't move over to second. That the issue would be no, they only want to play shortstop. So mm-hmm. Xander Bogarts, Danzy Swanson, anyone else that might have been an option. No, 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 they wouldn't move over to second. Was that true for all of them? It was true that was for Xander true Bogarts. For Correa. Yeah, and now here he is moving over to second. Well, I guess when you have a year that didn't go the way anybody expected, people become more pliable. So retroactively, it just made me wonder, hey, could he have played second base for the Mariners? Well, never could have. Would but, he have been willing to yeah. at the time? I guess not. <laughs> now, after a down year, okay, I'm more amenable to that. All right, Take Two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife. Prostate coming up. Seahawks might be moving on from one wide receiver this offseason. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Getting some good mean text coming in. The text line is there for you. 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Also getting some good suggestions as to what I should send from uh, Mike Salk's Twitter account, which he left open. on the. We, we use the same computers. We sit in the same chair. And oftentimes people, as I said, bump. Almost once a week, we'll leave open his email, his Twitter page, everything. I don't ever send anything. Uh, 206 says, apparently, Salk hates REM. So post a bunch of their videos or just tweet out your proclamations for how much you love them. I, I actually thought he would he was going to text. Like, he would hear me talking about his Twitter page. But you said 
This is his nap period. I think period. this is kind of when the morning show naps. Yeah. This is his, his nap time. Based on schedules. Based on uh, having filled in there before. This is where it hits you if you've been up that early. Oh, man. That is funny. That so is funny. what you have to do now is make sure we say this in every segment until he hears it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I haven't decided. Uh, you know, there could be trouble that follows it, depending on what it is I send from his account. But, yeah, Mike Salk left his Twitter page open, and I was thinking of sending something creative from that page. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, looking for suggestions there and mean text. Again, some good mean text coming in. And the line is there for you, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. All right. Uh, the Seahawks are in an interesting situation looking at – now, we've talked about this looking at Spotrack and looking at over the cap. Those numbers aren't exact. Like, in, in, And we even had – who's our guy from Spotrack? What's his Michael Janitti. Michael Janitti. Yeah. He's even said as much. Like, listen, this is an approximation. Only the Seahawks know exactly how much money they've got, you know, to work with and all of that. But just looking at those numbers, Seahawks are over the cap. Yeah. Which I find odd because you're going, well, all right, well, he's you don't have a Mahomes, you don't have Russell Wilson, you don't have that big ticket item, but you do have a couple of guys in the in the way of Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams. Uh, you know, Gino making these are the biggest paydays on the team. But, you know, in NFL terms, Gino as a starting quarterback does not make huge money. But Tyler Lockett's one of those guys that's got a big cap hit. And you look at him going, OK, that's a guy that you're, you're going to need to restructure. If they're going to get under the cap and make any moves that they deem necessary, they need that flexibility financially. And Joel Corey, who was on with Bump and Stacy, talked about uh, Seahawks needing Lockett to do something financially or maybe having to move on. Here's the bigger issue. If you're going to talk about 2024 draft capital, it's got a $24.5 million cap hit versus $23 million in debt money. You're saving $1.5 million on the cap and got to go out and get a number one receiver. If you're talking about receivers leaving, it's more likely to be Tyler Lockett if you look at it from what it would do from a salary cap standpoint. Almost $27 million cap hit. The dead money is getting close to $20 million on a conventional release, not a post-June 1 designation, so you pick up 7-1 if you're going to try to not have the same receiving core as last year. So interesting that, you know, Tyler's number is, is pretty punitive in terms of the dead cap hit. Second biggest on the team. Or yeah. cap hit, just you pure cap hit. Yeah, so I didn't realize that in terms of a salary cap hit this season – Tyler Lockett's the second biggest cap hit behind Geno Smith. So Geno Smith's going to be $31.2 million against the cap. Which Tyler, is not what he's making, by the way. People no, confuse right. that for a salary. So the cap hit equals the signing bonus, whatever right. you're paying him that year, plus money you know, that was pushed salary. back. Yeah. And, yeah so. so his cap hits $31.2 million. Tyler Lockett, what's, 27.85. What's the dead cap number? This year, it would be $19.79 million. Now, I, here's the thing, though. Here's what makes it interesting. And why I'm not, they're not going to release him. I'm not saying that, but we saw them do it with Bobby Wagner. If they release Tyler Lockett, they save nearly 18 million. And I'm not saying they're going to, but something needs to happen to bring down this salary. Cap he's got number. a dead cap hit of 19 million, right? Over the next two seasons, though. So 19 million, well, you're calculating what you would have been paying him. So the actual savings over the next right. two seasons equal 17 million. Yeah, I don't. You need Tyler on this team. I know there are people that at this point have feel like, oh, he's not what he was. And he's Tyler Lockett's maybe, I would say he's arguably the second best receiver in the history of this organization. Him and Doug Baldwin. You got Steve Largent as number one. 
He's I don't I'd have to go back and compare numbers and see see how close Tyler is, but I would argue he's probably in totality the second best receiver in the history of this team. He's as reliable as it gets. He was an absolute security blanket for Russ. He was he is a security blanket for Geno. He's that guy that you you see the play breakdown, you see the quarterback scrambling, and all of a sudden there's Tyler who's got five yards of separation somehow. He's that guy. I think he's crucial to what they want to do. I think he is still a tremendous receiver. Um, yes, he is getting older. He is he is getting. I'm not saying he's a guy you re-sign for huge money, but I think he's a guy you absolutely work with. Like Tyler, we want you on the team, but here's where we're at financially. We need to, you know, con- we need to restructure. We're going to convert this into bonus. You know, they work their magic with the salary cap, which, you know, they hire people to manage that stuff because it's so confusing. But they they have a knack. Teams do it all the time. They hey, we restructured a deal. Now his base salary is a million bucks, but he's got this converted to a bonus, and they end up getting their money anyway. So that it feels like that's what's going to have have to happen. And I and I don't. I'd be stunned if he were like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. If if anybody on this roster were were as as agreeable as as Tyler, I'd be stunned. He seems about as agreeable as anybody. And what what's going to benefit the team? I'm going to get my money. You can call it a bonus or call it salary, whatever you want. He still gets his money, and he helps the team with the salary cap. Yeah, the one problem is if for some reason he doesn't want to take a pay cut, because even if you convert to a signing bonus, you're still paying that bonus over the life of the contract. Right. So it helps salary cap perspective this year. The Seahawks are still going to have to pay it over the entirety of his contract. So I can't see too much money being converted into a signing bonus. And you can't afford to be sentimental. That's the issue. We can. Mm-hmm. We're not actually making the decision. But I just go back to the Seahawks releasing Bobby Wagner. And we saw how prohibitive it would have been to keep him on the team after that 2021 season. So they cut him loose, and it was incredibly painful. It was the end of an era. It was one of the most beloved Seahawks players in the history of this organization, but they had to from a salary cap standpoint. So if you're Tyler Lockett, and they come to you and say, we want you to take a pay cut, you know, that's kind of unfair. That stinks, because what other job would you be forced to do that if you've had his production for that long? So I could see him not wanting to take a pay cut, and then you are stuck in that quagmire of, okay, well, are we going to have to go to that drastic prohibitive measure of we must get rid of him? Because there's not too much they can convert into a signing bonus with how much money they're going to need to spend over these next two seasons. We haven't even gotten to all the free agents they need to resign. Then you'll have a draft class. And then mm-hmm. if you have to go upgrade somehow, they have free agents on their own roster they have to resign to fill critical holes, along with upgrading talent at some levels. So it's a very tough decision. And I think it's more surprising to the point of I hadn't even considered it until you really started to look at the offseason and how costly that cap number is for Lockett this year. Yeah, they to me, they've got bigger fish to fry in the way of cap issues with Jamal Adams. You save a lot of money with Jamal. you gotta, you got to figure out a way to restructure that or if they just release him or what they're going to do. But he he represents, what, the third biggest cap hit? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So he's so, just below that at $26.9 million. So you're, it's basically the same. Thing. What's his dead cap hit? 20.8. Okay. Yeah, so... I, I, I'm not saying you don't go to Tyler and say, we need to work something out, of course. But you, you need to have that same conversation with Jamal. Maybe, who's fourth? Quandre? Uh, DK. DK and then Quandre. Yeah. You know, by, by again, by NFL standards, uh, Geno Smith and DK Metcalf are both reasonable, especially, especially Geno. He's considering starting quarterback – Pro Bowl both years. I know he was an injury replacement this year, but considering what you've gotten out of him and where he ranks, I think he's 18th in terms of uh, salary. It's it's a pretty reasonable deal that you've got with Gino. 
Can I throw out something that no, will make you cannot, me? We don't throw out anything here. Very, it might make me sound very evil uh, and just pure cold logic. Is Tyler Lockett replaceable at 31 years old? You just drafted a guy in Jackson Smith and Jigba. You keep DK Metcalf. You have JSN. You really only had two star receivers until you drafted JSN over the last few seasons. So mm-hmm. moving forward, what if you have a DK Metcalf? and a JSN on a rookie deal. All these tight ends that have never fully been utilized, so three tight ends, two receivers, and now nearly $18 million of free cap space because you got rid of Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I'm not You can ad- build. You can build that roster. Yeah, you can build, but you can find better ways, more productive ways. To me, you're hurting your team. You're, he's still a plus for this team, a big plus for this team. Uh, you, 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 you look to other guys, you look to Jamal, you look to Quandre, you look to whoever, and I don't know who's in a position to renegotiate or restructure and who's not, or who's willing, who's not, that's up to them to figure out. But to me, you know, whether even a Draymond Jones, go to, go to some people you felt like, all right, man, the production hasn't matched what we've shelled out in this instance. Let's restructure this thing. Uh, there, there are guys I'd go to before Tyler. I'd go to Tyler too. Hey, we got we we. This is gonna be a group effort. We're gonna try to get, you know, restructure a couple deals here. Maybe they're gonna release some people. I don't know, but he's he's a guy that I think needs to be a part of this team. And yeah, he's not 21. He's not 24. But he's not. I don't look at him out there and go, God, this guy's so slow. He's a liability. Why is he on the field? He's he's still an absolute plus to this team. All right, coming up. Uh, you can't end the week without figuring out what's bugging Bob. More importantly, Matt Lefko. We'll get into that next. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. <laughs> What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's bugging Bob. What's bugging Bob? What's bugging Matt? What's bugging Lefko? We go through this each and every week. It's uh, brought to you by Issaquah Pest Control, and as has been the tradition, we start with Matt. Matt's a guy who get look at the smile that gets just appears on his face as soon as we get to this segment. It's the best part of his complain. day. <laughs> <laughs> it's cathartic. It's cathartic. You feel like oh, I just got a weight off, lifted a weight off my shoulders. It really this. does. Okay. What, yeah. what what do we got today? It's a really dumb one today. Uh oh. I'm playing a video game that I only kind of like, and I've sunk enough time that I feel like I can't quit it without finishing it. And I've had this with like movies and TV series where I'm past the point of no return. I can't just give up. Yeah. I've I have to this see it through. How does it end? But I don't want to. And I'm just, I'm still playing it. I think I'm still a ways <laughs> away from the end, but it would feel like even more of a failure than playing video games already does if I just gave up halfway through. Is there an end to video games, though? Yeah, it's a narrative video game. It's not like an online thing. Oh. So it's like a story that you're playing through. What's it called? Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns. So, of course, I'm playing it because it's Marvel. Marvel. And the story's fine. It's just not my kind of game. But... I'm in too deep, and I have to keep playing it, and it's it's starting to feel like work. Do you think any of our <laughs> listeners are playing that same game? They could just tell you how it ends. Hey, if they do, shout out. <laughs> tell me how it ends. Spoiler uh, alert is, is welcome here. Yeah, sure. If, if you care. want a video game that will feel like work, certainly you heard when Bump and Stacy and Curtis was so excited about you know EA Sports, NCAA College Football coming out this summer, back for the first time in 11 years. So if you want a video game that will feel like work, for us it will be fun. But I would recommend that one. 
I there are so many video games I own that I've yet to play that I'm legitimately excited to play. They remake Dead Space. Can't wait to play that. I want to replay Halo. I can promise you I will never play a college football video game. <laughs> he's got he's backlogged right now. He's not going to put in things he doesn't like. Come on. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. I, well, I think you got to see it through unless somebody can tell you how it ends here. I think I if have somebody to. tells you how it ends, would you still play it? Probably. Couldn't you just Google, like, search how it ends? Yeah, just thing. it doesn't feel the same, yeah. though. You know, it's just like it's the time commitment. I put in X amount of hours already. I have to see it through, even if I don't really want to. The 509 says, I feel you on the video game. And the one before it says, 206, is there an end to what's bothering you? Hold on. <laughs> no. There is not. I We just got... Uh, I love it. We just got unintentionally what was the meanest text about me. And it was probably just a mistake in the name, but I it feels it. like a mean text. No, no, it is. But I'll just read the first part, which makes it sound like it. 509 says, and we do appreciate the text, 509. 509 says, I like Matt's comment on moving on from Tyler Lockett. That was not your How was that a shot at you? Well, because they discredited everything I just said and gave that credit to Matt. <laughs> I also agree yeah. that they shouldn't. Move on from Tyler Lockett? Was that it? I already forgot. <laughs> he doesn't even remember what your position was. Uh, all right. What's yours, Lefko? So, okay. I had a dentist appointment today at 7 a.m. That was Actually, that was not my issue. My issue is this place, they send the most incessant reminders, like all the time, which, okay, a week out, I appreciate it. So I had one today. They sent me a reminder last Thursday, a text and an email. Michael, you have an upcoming dentist appointment, plus uh, press reply with one or C to confirm. All right, so I did that. Figured that would be the end of it. Because once you've confirmed, they're fine with that. Okay, you're good. You don't have to worry about anything else. Well, then on Monday at 8 a.m., the exact same thing. Michael, you have an upcoming appointment starting on February 16th at 7 a.m. Same corresponding email. Yesterday at 8 a.m., Michael, you have an upcoming appointment starting February 16th. Then this morning, an email, you have an appointment at 7 a.m. We're looking forward to seeing you. It's a little much, dentist. They don't trust you. Come on. They want to, they're counting on your uh, your your copay and your the insurance covering the appointment. Well, and- there's a prohibitive cancellation fee, so they'd get it. That's the problem. <laughs> they don't you know who they're dealing with yeah, here. Yeah, I know. The problem is you can't opt out either because it's either all or nothing. It's automated. So if you say, please text me a reminder then they're going to text you all seven reminders. If you say, yeah. don't text or email, then I would have forgotten about my appointment because who remembers something six months in advance? So it was nice once, but eight more times, eh, that's a little much. Yeah, that's true of everything, though. I get that like with a haircut. Yeah. I'll get, click here to confirm your appointment, and I'll click, and it takes me to a website, and it's like, are you sure you, you, you are confirm. now confirmed? I'm like, geez, okay, and it auto, it'll offer to put it in your calendar, and it does all that. So, yeah, uh, mine, mine's the same as is one I brought up the other day, and that was, I was getting off the West Seattle Bridge last night, and I'm behind the car, and we're going off the, the, the off-ramp, and I'm probably a car length behind the car in front of me. There's there's an ocean of space behind me. I'm talking oh, easily yeah. 20 car lengths. Yeah. And a dude decides he, he speeds up at the last minute and tries nudging in front of me, at which point, of course, I sped up. I wasn't letting him in. Good. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then he starts telling me I'm number one, you know, and I let him know he's number one in my heart, too. And then he's behind me flashing the lights and the whole thing. And I'm like, dude, you, you, you had a vast just area behind me like you couldn't i couldn't even see cars behind me there was all the space but he had to he had to try to nudge in front of me and then was mad i didn't let him in he had to wait a car length to get behind me matt does that to me 
Well, you guys are racing. Well, that's that's <laughs> different. You're you. This is just some yeah. random no, person. Yeah, that's that is the worst. That's who, obnoxious. Who decides I need to be one car right. closer to the off ramp, and and he's trying to merge basically on the off ramp. He's trying to get in front of me. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you out of your mind? And then you guys stuck behind each other, one in front. He stuck the whole behind time. me, right? And then and then we got to the stoplight together, and I rolled down the window and, and said some things, and then that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> That was it, but he he did let me know I was uh, I was number one, and we we exchanged that, and then it ended. Up it just with, happens too much, though. It, no well, awareness, no well, spatial awearness for drivers out there. That is mindless. That's like, dude, what do you? I, I guess if last second you're like, oh man, this is my exit. I get it, but when you see the amount of space behind me, and you're trying to on the off ramp merge, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, Bob, he's got the highway alpha status, and he's trying to maintain that. I guess, man. I was just it. It, all, it stunned me because I saw this car just speed up next to me <laughs> as I'm like veering off to the right on the, and he's like trying to get him. I'm like, what are you? What are you doing? Is there a, is somebody hurt? What's going on? I look behind me, and there's no cars. I'm like, you really, you're really going to try to cut me off on the off ramp because you don't want to get one car length back. Made no sense. I do love that. If it weren't for drivers here, we probably would not have this segment. Well, we got Matt. But, but there's enough to We've sustain us. We, this, Matt can sustain the segment on. We, we're just playing bit parts. He's the star of the segment. No, really. I genuinely get annoyed by the driving. But I could do my yeah. own What's Bugging Matt on driving every single day. I think that's a new podcast idea. But the beauty of Matt, half Listen the time. Listen to by no people. <laughs> half the time, What's Bugging Matt is Matt. Yes, <laughs> so that's, that's, that is true. That's the beauty of that segment is he just, you know, I did it again. And, and I did a coffee shop. I did that. Even today's was... <laughs> I no one's forcing me to play the video game. It's me that's doing it to me. It's still me that's bothering me. Uh, give yourself a break, man. Give yourself a break. Never going to happen. All right, coming up, uh, we caught up with him just before he heads off to Peoria. The voice of the Seattle Mariners, Rick Riz, is going to join us next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten.